Before we begin, this podcast deals with several heavy topics over the course of its four episodes, including topics of violence and mental health. We advise parental discretion if listening with children. We are of the light, and we did not do any bad things. That's how Yang Xiaohui explained things to her daughter. Her parents were doing the right thing, even though they were arrested. She asked us this question. Mommy, don't the police arrest bad people? She meant that we did not do anything wrong, so why did they arrest us? I answered, yes. But why did they arrest Daddy? I told her, they do not know what we are doing. This is the House Church in China. This podcast is a true story of how Yang Xiaohui suffered, but why her suffering was worth it. It's a story of what happened to her in jail, and how the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Come, come my heart. Fill me with your joy and songs of praise. Rest, let me rest. Cover me with love and show your ways. This is a story of one woman's faith, persecution, and the power of God. But this story is not only about one person. In the past three episodes, we have been talking about how Yang Xiaohui's light shines in the darkness of Chinese society and in a Chinese prison cell. Today, we'll look at how this light has affected those around her. If my husband were here, he would say, this is not a personal matter but something that concerned the whole of the house church in China. What happened to Xiaohui impacted her children, her church, her extended family, and really all of society. These events are not just about one woman. They are about the church's call. If I kept silent and refused to walk this path, it would be the next person's turn. What happens if the next person also does nothing? But if I am able to bear this burden, the next person may not suffer the same fate. I wanted to quietly lead a Christian life at home and not have to mind so many things. It's not that I am able to do much but I feel a determination in my heart to surrender my all, no matter what happens in the future. This is all I can do. The prophet Isaiah said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. For many Chinese Christians, that's what this is all about. 
Xiaohui's church in northern China was started only a few years ago. Almost from the beginning, the church has faced pressure. Many connected to the church are frightened. Some backed off from in-person worship, deciding online worship was safer. Others refused to visit Xiaohui in her home, suspecting she was being watched. The unbelieving wife of a man in their congregation is considering divorce. She's worried both she and her husband might lose their jobs because of the church. Another woman in the church visited Xiaohui after she got out of jail. When her husband found out, he beat her up. The blow on brothers and sisters was huge. Persecution on families worsened. Our arrests clearly had an impact on everyone. Yet some believers were emboldened. The day she was arrested, Xiaohui was watching the daughter of a single mom. This woman had stopped coming to worship before the attacks. But since Xiaohui returned from prison, that woman has been staying with and helping her. Some believers retreated. Others pressed forward. Since Tan Jian left, I knew with all my heart that God himself was shepherding his church. Chinese society is highly communal, particularly now with a new system of social score. An arrest of a friend, or especially a relative, can negatively impact your own prospects. That's why a wife might think of divorce, or why the husband of a believer might beat her up. Being tied to Xiaohui and the church could harm them and their families. This is also why Xiaohui was so worried to reveal her husband's arrest to her own unbelieving siblings. At first, she was ashamed of their arrests. But after Tan Jian was imprisoned in November of 2021, Xiaohui decided to be radically open. If they rejected me, it was okay. Even if they wanted to disown me, if they did not reject me, I can share with them openly. We are not sinning. We are only Christians. Xiao Hui's nephew works for state security. Having an aunt who was arrested, an imprisoned Christian, is not good for his career. So Xiao Hui calmly told her brother and sister that if they needed to sever a relationship, she understood. Her brother and sister did not cut off relations. They have continued to take personal risks to care for and look out for Xiao Hui. But they can't understand why she insists on continuing to witness and gather. He said to me, Just go into hiding for a little bit. My sister also told me, Just sign the statements. You can still believe in your Lord after you sign the document. For Xiao Hui, it's not about staying out of trouble. It's about being faithful to the call of the gospel. I knew that if I stole or murdered, I should be afraid and ashamed. But I didn't do anything wrong. They shouldn't worry about us or be ashamed of us because we did not do anything wrong. It's all plain to see. I've told them this openly, 
and they knew it in their hearts. Xiao Hui is not ashamed of the gospel. She has two children, a son in his early twenties, and a daughter who is about seven. Xiao Hui wants her kids to understand they do not need to be ashamed of the gospel, or of what happened to their parents because of it, even if both of their parents are thrown into prison. Since her son is normally away at school, Xiao Hui began by talking to her daughter about what might happen. My child has to be prepared to face the time when mom is not there for her. That was scary for both of them, but Xiao Hui told her, "We do not have to be afraid, even though we may be nervous." Xiao Hui said her daughter has grown in her ability to handle pressure through these experiences, but they did not take a special class on preparing for persecution. Their family just worshipped together, and encouraged the kids to read the Bible and pray daily. God loves our family a lot, although we are insignificant. We're not very highly educated, and don't have lots of knowledge. But I can see my children's spiritual growth in their relationship with God. I don't think that's the outcome. Of our discipleship, Xiao Hui doesn't think she's done a particularly good job living out her faith, but she strives for honesty. We have our weaknesses, and we allow our children to see our weaknesses. But we show them how God loves us and accepts our weaknesses and flaws. For instance, when they do something wrong. We want them to experience the gospel while we discipline them. Every day, I just try to let them know that the gospel of God's grace is greater than all our sins and our weaknesses. Furthermore, we try to teach them that their merits and gifts are not of their own. Xiao Hui and her children are not the only ones paying a price for this public faith. She may still face more charges related to her recent imprisonment. Her husband, who was recently released after spending a year in jail, is not planning to stop worship. Even though the price is high, they are continuing to do the same things that got them sent to prison in the first place. Christians are not the only Chinese to face repercussions for publicly fighting injustice. One of Xiao Hui's cellmates was in jail for protesting. For decades, business property was considered a safe investment in China. As a result, many Chinese people have spent their whole life savings buying a house. Some even borrowed money from friends and relatives to do so. But now, what many are waiting for is not a dream home, but a block of unfinished buildings. This woman bought an unfinished building, but was still paying a mortgage for it. Angry, she protested, and landed in jail. What happened to her? Was truly unjust. She lost all that money, and on top of that, she had to be arrested. In situations like this, many people decide the struggle is not worth it. Normal people are powerless to change the larger system, so they simply stopped fighting. The inmates were all saying, "I'll never come back. 
ever. As soon as I get out, I'll sell my house and move to the villages. I won't stay here anymore. I've learned my lesson, and I give in. This happens to Christians too. A lot of house churches are afraid of trouble. They decide it's best to just ride out the storm and stay hidden. Of course, that means they cannot share the gospel and worship openly. But when her brother asked her to just go into hiding for a while, Xiaohui refused. Her church doesn't openly advertise meeting spaces, whether online or in person. But they won't hide either. They want their friends and neighbors and coworkers to know the church exists, and to know they are welcome there. Jesus said, "No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light." Further retreat would hide the light of the gospel. Christians are the only ones able to insist. That they are being wronged. Xiaohui and Christians like her are persisting because what happens on Earth does not define their reality. They are already living in a heavenly kingdom, and they live by the laws of heaven, even if that leads to earthly consequences. Someone asked me, "So, when you're out?" You won't be able to have gatherings again, right? I said, "Why shouldn't we? Our Christian duty is to gather." I did not think I was brave at the time. I just had one thought, and that was, I needed to keep gathering. How could I experience so much of God's grace if I stopped gathering? Their church wasn't trying to pick a fight, but they also seized every chance they found to worship together. When that resulted in persecution, so be it. God allowed us to be tested in this process. It's from Him, and we didn't seek it out. Christ's call to live in His heavenly kingdom impacted the lives of the other believers in Xiaohui's church, and touched her non-Christian siblings. And it has had a profound influence on her own children. She would prefer to lead a quiet, peaceful life at home, but Jesus is calling her to publicly insist on what is right, for herself, and also for others. When she went to jail, the lie she lives by also impacted her cellmates. Several women in jail with Xiaohui were suicidal. Near the end of her time in jail, a new woman was put in her cell. This woman had already tried to kill herself with the plastic spoons the prisoners were given to use at meals. She had cut her wrist so deeply with the spoon that she bled. The prison guards told Xiaohui she was in charge of making sure this woman didn't harm herself again. Keep an eye on her at all times. Watch her when she goes to the bathroom, when she washes up, when she eats. Just follow her everywhere. So I accepted the assignment. I said to myself, "Be thankful for it, then." But Xiaohui decided not to view it as monitoring the woman. When I saw her, 
I felt her despair, like she didn't have even a single drop of hope. Instead of watching her like a hawk, Xiao Hui said she was keeping her company, and as she accompanied this woman in her pain, the other prisoners began to join in. We encouraged her, and we chatted with her. The rest of us in the cell also went to talk with her and encourage her. When night came, we gave her some clothes. She changed and also cleaned up and washed up. And I saw that hope had started to return. Not only did she accompany a woman in pain, but she got a whole group of people to change the way they view another hurting human. When Xiao Hui's sentence was completed and she was leaving the jail, guards told another prisoner she was now in charge of this suicidal prisoner. I suggested, you're not monitoring her, but keeping her company. I could feel that everyone in our cell immediately agreed, saying, yes, we're keeping her company so that she can come out of hopelessness and into hope. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Xiao Hui's presence with one hurting woman became a grace her entire cell participated in. The compassion of one person changed the way a group of women viewed and treated another hurting person. Near the end of their time in jail, Xiao Hui and Chen Shang met with their attorneys. Xiao Hui mentioned to the lawyer that they had been cooped up in the cell all day with no breaks. He told them the law guaranteed that all prisoners were allowed short breaks of fresh air. Denying them that break was illegal. So after a few days, because of the attorney's insistence, not only Xiao Hui, but all of her cellmates were allowed short breaks. They would let us go out for fresh air after that. Everyone was delighted. It wasn't much. Guards traipsed them out, sat them on stools in a hall, and turned on the fan for 20 minutes. The other prisoners were overjoyed. Because of someone else, they got a break. Because of someone else, they had reprieve. Our cellmates said, Thanks to you too, now we get to share some of your honor. In Chinese, the word for light is the same as the word for honor. The honor of getting a little break from a hellish prison cell, that's nothing. The real light, the real honor, that is all Jesus. When her cellmates thanked her for what she did, she pointed upward. I said, really, you have to thank Jesus. He gives us true honor. What is this little small honor compared to our honor in Him? For 20 minutes, the women of cell number one were able to rest. A seemingly small thing. 20 minutes of sitting in cool air and rest. But a microcosm of something larger. When someone really follows Jesus, lives in His light, and rests in His work, it impacts everyone around. And that's what this show is about. Jesus' light cannot be hidden. No basket is woven tightly enough to keep His light from seeping out. 
When he touches a person, a family, a society, then his light will spread, even in the darkest places. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what happened with Xiao Hui. The light she walks in, the light of Christ, shines brightly. Following Jesus is walking in light and honor forever and ever. That's true for Xiao Hui, and that's true for everyone. Because of Christ, no one has to be ashamed, and no one has to walk in darkness. Because of Jesus, prisoners and addicts and persecuted pastors' wives get honor, glory, and light. Because of Jesus, we all benefit. Hey everyone, it's Hannah Nation and Ryan Zhang. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This was our last episode. Um, yeah, wow, a lot, um, just a lot going on there. Um, as we were kind of warming up for it and, and getting ready, doing our first read throughs, I found myself getting really emotional at the end. Um, just thinking about this whole story and, and everything that we've been talking about. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Ryan, I have a question for you. Yes. Um, my question for you, for especially for listeners who may not know a whole lot about China, um, could you explain to us a little bit about the social credit system that's mentioned in this episode? Yeah, it's kind of like a credit score. You think about if you're taking a loan in America, they look at your credit score and whether it's good and they give you a loan. And I think the social credit score in China is kind of how well you've behaved in society. So if you're associated with people who are criminals, if you've done things to violate the law, and a lot of times violating the law in Chinese society is really what the government thinks of you. And so if you've done well and you stay out of trouble, then you have a good score and that will help you, let's say, when you apply for a job, especially a job with the government, if you're applying for maybe a passport to travel, visas and things like that, you would be successful in those applications. But if you have a low score, if you have been associated with illegal organizations, with house churches, for example, then your score below, and that would um, impact your lives and how what kind of school your kids could go to, even or and it's fairly new system, and we don't really know what kind of impacts it will have yet. But I would imagine even uh, in, 
impacting your ability to have a bank account, to travel, to um, buy train tickets and things yeah. like that. Wow. Yeah, it seems like a system that could have incredibly far-reaching impacts on society and Chinese society. Yes, for sure. Well, Hannah, what jumped out to you in this episode? Well, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, I think one of the things that really jumped out to me is, um, well, I, I found myself at one point just having to ask myself, you know, <laughs> do I believe this? Um, not from a place of doubt or, you know, questioning, but just, you know, does my own life reflect um, any kind of, of faith uh, similar to what we've been discussing in this episode? And, and, and how am I um, pursuing um, just faithfulness in my walk with Christ in a similar way? I think one thing that really um, I found myself asking is just, um, you know, do I have people in my life, first off, that um, that I can share the gospel with, you know, who who don't know Jesus, who need to hear about Jesus, and then and then connected to that, you know. Am I willing to put myself in situations that are risky in order to have those relationships in my life? Maybe not even risky. Maybe uncomfortable is, is just the right way to talk about it. Um, but I, I think I've, I've just been thinking a lot this episode about, um, you know, really the only things <laughs> that she she's done that have brought her to this point are attending church, you know, being faithful to her church, her local church, and evangelizing. And, I, you know, I think um, as a pretty typical middle-class white American, attending church is not hard for me. Um, but probably that second one of, you know, evangelizing and, and seeking opportunities and communities to evangelize in um, that's definitely one that that I need to grow in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you see kind of over the last episode but even before that there's a delicate dance that the house church Christians have to do to stay public but also stay out of trouble. They want to be public because they want to evangelize, they want to make sure people could find them. And it's out of a, a love for the society, a love for the facility that mm. they want hurting people to be find a, to be able to find the church. They want hurting people mm. to know Jesus. That's why they have to remain public. But at the same time, remaining public is a risk, mm. and that would draw the government's attention. So they have to be really wise about how they remain public and also ev evading public attention, evading government attention. So you see some churches which you know shift from place to place, and they mention about renting a hotel lobby to to celebrate communion, but switching from one place to another. Other churches will have to do it online, but maybe outside the firewall. So there is a sense they want to remain public, but they're also evading persecution because they don't want persecution to get in the way of. Mm -hmm of their evangelism, not just because they don't want to go to jail, but they just want to continue to live out the mission yeah. of evangelism. I always, I always think of um, being wise as serpents and as innocent as yes. doves as a very good description of 
um, really all of the house church Christians I know, um, they are very active in trying to creatively avoid detection and by the authorities and avoid those conflicts. But um, they're very persistent in their commitments. I also think too, there's there's um, there's really not much of a uh, a feeling of of this is being done out of a need to protect their rights or you know the rights of the church. Um, it it is so much driven by a, a heart for evangelism, mm-hmm. and um, I I often think in America. You know, how much are our um, concerns about the future of the church in America and the, you know, the political status or, or legal status of the church in America? How much is that driven by out of a fear and a, um, you know, impulse to protect and, and fight for our rights? And how much is it driven by a heart for evangelism? Mm-hmm. You know, how much are we really actually... Um, concerned about church closures or concerned about um, tax-exempt statuses mm-hmm. um, because we're, we're that active in evangelism, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And I think the house church has really put us to shame on that that front, um, that their, their primary interest for keeping churches open and visible is, is really all about spreading the gospel in the name of Jesus among people who don't know anything about Jesus. Yeah, and I think there's the the wisdom for us to learn from too, kind of the how do you share the gospel but winsomely and attract the right kind of attention mm-hmm. and not just do it you don't want persecution to come because you've been a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> you want persecution to come because you've actually living out faithfully the gospel and somehow you're persecuted by it. I think that's actually the sweet spot. You know, you're not being hated because you're a jerk. You're not being loved because you have not been speaking out for the truth, but you want to faithfully live out the truth and in winsome way. But if persecution comes to you that way, then like they said, so be it. Yeah. This is the point that um, Tim Keller makes in his introduction to Faith in the Wilderness. Yes. And I think it's so needed and um, so, there's so much to reflect on. And, you know, basically he says, um, if you are being persecuted, you need to ask yourself if you're being persecuted because of Christ in you or if you're being persecuted because you've been a jerk. And he says, if you're not being persecuted, you need to ask yourself if this is a grace from the Lord or if this is because you're not faithfully um, bearing witness to, to Christ and faithfully walking with Christ. Um, and I think, you know, in America today, we, we need both, we need to be reminded of both sides of that. Um, we need to be asking ourselves where our, our witness is failing because we're not being public. Um, our faith isn't being publicly lived out. I think we also need to ask ourselves where and when we've just been straight up jerks, <laughs> you know, um, and I and I think this is you know maybe our, our final word of the podcast is just you know this is where I find personally so much encouragement, um, listening to and learning from my brothers and sisters in China. Um, not that they're doing it perfectly, not that they f- aren't failing. Um, 
at times, but um, they are very faithfully witnessing to Christ and pursuing a deep love for their cities and a deep care and concern for the people around them to to know Jesus and to know his power. Yeah, and I think they because they live in such a complex society, they are hurting a lot from their own life experience and they know that their families are hurting. They have a deep concern for their cities and they want to share the gospel because they just know there's no other hope mm-hmm. in a society like China other than mm-hmm. The word of Jesus, and I think that encouraged me to think about what kind of situation we live in America, what kind of hopeless situation we have, and that drives me to love my neighbors and tell them that because other other than Jesus, there's nothing else here for them. Mm-hmm. And I think we should think about our society in a similar way too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's been lots of fun hanging out with you, Ryan. Thank you. Um, Thanks for for doing this with me, and thank you everyone for listening to our story. Um, if you can, please um, tell everyone you know about this podcast. Encourage others to listen to it, and give us feedback. Um, we would really love to hear from you how this is landing, um, what conversations this is sparking. You can find us on social media. Um, we are uh, China Partnership, and uh, if you just look for us on on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook, we're pretty easy to find. I'm Hannah Nation. My co-host is Ryan Zhang, and we look forward to what lies ahead. Thank you. The House Church in China is written by E.F. Gregory and is a production of China Partnership. It is hosted by me, Hannah Nation. And by me, Ryan Zhang. Yang Xiaohui is voiced by Rachel Chen. To protect their identity, we are using pseudonyms for Chinese citizens. Sound engineering by John Stewart and mixing by Robbie Breckenridge. Our songs this week are Psalm 4 and Wilderness by Daniel Snook. Additional music by IB Audio and PremiumBead.com. Special thanks to City Reform Presbyterian Church for use of their space and equipment. And please, as you finish listening to this episode, take a moment to pray for the church in China. Cover me with love and show